So you remember when I said we were probably covering Elvis last week? I lied. Yeah. Welcome down to the bridge! Hi, I'm Nick, aka Agent Duckman. I'm Cody, aka the Scarlet Troll. And I am Greg, aka Greg. You're Bob. You're Bob. We've been over this. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, fine, Greg. Codename Greg. I'm glad Code- you're here. Codename Kids Next Greg. Uh, what? <laughs> don't worry about Greg, it. Greg, stop trying to be the hero. <laughs> oh my god. Ouch. Jesus. That was a roast. I mean, hey, that means that. Uh, you, you by proxy stole my joke! <laughs> I love it when that happens. Ah, never mind. <laughs> so, yeah, we're cover- we'll, we'll get into it more in a bit, but we ended up seeing the black phone instead. Or at least two thirds of us did. Spoiler alert, it's very good. <laughs> yeah, which isn't much of a spoiler, but oh well. <laughs> so. Let's kick things off, shall we? Universal is looking at making a Green Hornet reboot movie. Oh boy. And Leigh Whannell is in talks to direct it of the Invisible Man fame. Okay. Oh! Oh, the the new one? The very good one, yes. The one that I oh. didn't see? And also, you can't say the very good one because the original is very good, too. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> this one's This one hits a little harder, though. Yes, it does. It's just a little bit harder. The theme seemed a little bit too on the nose for me when I saw the trailers. I don't know. It's a good time. It is very on the nose, but it's on the nose in a good way. Yes. Um, but hey, if it's me, maybe the same person who directed Invisible Man, I am all for it because I enjoyed that well, movie a lot. So I'm curious to see what it comes up. Themes of that compared to the themes of Green Hornet are so vastly different. It'd be interesting to see what that director does. Yeah. Because Green Hornet's kind of campy. It's the whole purpose yeah, of it. Yeah, <laughs> I... Okay, so I watched the one with Seth Rogen, but ha- gun to my head, I don't remember any of it. Uh, what? Seth Rogen did a... the original, or the, the yeah, original reboot. Not the original, but <laughs> the original yeah, there reboot. was a... When was when did that come out? Two thousands, mid two thousands, two thousand eight. I'm looking it up right now, and it was a per. Two thousand eleven. Yeah, really? two thousand eleven. What the heck? Cameron Diaz was in this movie. Who played Kato in this one? Huh. Jay Chow. Jay Chow. Okay. Cho. I'm bad with pronunciation. Jay Cho. If it's C H, if it's C H O, it's Cho. It's C H O U. I think that's Cho still. Okay. I am morbidly curious about this movie. I I don't remember any of it. I've heard this it was, was good. When, this was an era when my dad and I were just red boxing everything and. <laughs> Fair. It's um, like, oh, did it come out recently? Let's red box it. Red box it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You, <laughs> oh no. You did that. Wow. <laughs> yes, now I did. Now we're gonna get sued. I'm sorry. You can't get sued by red, red, red box. They don't have any money to sue you. <laughs> <laughs> I meant Red Robin, but... Also applicable. Except, well, Red Robin has plenty of money because their food's expensive. Anyway... <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that's news. Hopefully that comes through, and hopefully that results in a good Green Hornet and Kato movie, because I'd watch that. Who are they getting to I'd play Kato? I want to see what castings are going to be like. Keep keep an eye on that one, Cody. I will do my best. So, speaking of reboots, we're getting a Spy Kids reboot for Netflix. Uh, I don't want to see a Spy Kids movie that doesn't have the original cast. I'm sorry. Is Danny Trail still in it? Probably not. 
<laughs> it does not mention Danny Trejo. Robert Rodriguez is still directing it. Okay, there's hope. As he did the previous one. There, there's hope. I don't hope. know, did you see 4? No. <laughs> Neither uh, did I. I... I didn't know that there was one before, after 3, in all honesty. <laughs> yeah, I thought 3D Game Over was the last one. Yeah. Can I tell you guys a secret? What? Spy Kids 3D is the only Spy Kids movie I've seen all the way through. Really? I've never seen- I've did, seen bits of two, and I don't think I've ever seen one. Did you guys go to the theater? Because they just had the scratch and sniff card for that movie. <laughs> I thought that was four. No, no, it was three. The, the, the two movies that I vividly remember having a scratch and sniff card for- were Spy Kids 3D and um, Ru- the Rugrats Go Wild movie. Uh, both huh. had scratch and sniff cards. That was that was the gimmick back in the day. I don't know. Well, Just in any case, we also yeah. do have some casting for the new Spy Kids movie, though. Oh. We got Gina Rodriguez, Zachary Levi, Everly Cunningham. Zachary Levi? <laughs> yep, Shazam. Uh, I. And newcomer Connor Esterson. So that's presumably our Spy Kids family. Hmm. Our Spy Kids ex-family, if you will. Uh, isn't Spy Kids supposed to be, a, like, a Hispanic thing? I mean, Gina Rodriguez. Zachary Levi, though? Eh? Is he the new machete? <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's probably the dad, but I mean... I- I'm sorry, I- Antonio Banderas is better. <laughs> I'm checking a thing real quick. One moment. <laughs> I don't really care. It's just like, to me, I don't know. Spy Kids is is. Oh no, the mom was Carla was uh, Carla Gugino. So yeah. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways. Well, I might actually watch this reboot before I watch any of the other Spy Kids besides 3D. I'll watch. Yes. I'll watch it for Zachary Levi. Hopefully, the thumb yeah. people are back. <laughs> that ought to be a good time. Yes. Moving on, I guess. I've got another reason to make fun of Sony. Oh, oh I do too, but that's later. <laughs> oh, is that so? Mm-hmm. Well, I can't wait to hear about it. But, in the meantime, this is Craven news. Oh, no. Is, I, is that, that the Craven that I'm thinking of? I read the notes, but it didn't register of my mind. So, they were talking to Aaron Taylor Johnson, and by they I mean Variety. And during the interview... Uh, Taylor Johnson dropped this quote. Craven is one of Marvel's most iconic, notorious anti-heroes. Spider-Man's number one rival. He's not Uh... an alien or a wizard. He's just a hunter, a human with conviction. An animal lover and a protector of the natural world. He's a very, very cool character. Whoa, 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 whoa. Craven the hunter? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's that's a bit oxymoron. Animal lover? <laughs> I mean, I guess in the same way that Cruella Deville's an animal lover. The guy, you know, the guy wears tiger striped clothing, <laughs> leopard print. The guy literally has a lion head for a jacket. No, it's just fake. I'm looking it, it, at it now. It's fake leather. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> also, also, can I just say how sick I am? Protector of, of nature. And this is not a Sony exclusive thing, but I'm so sick of people involved in superhero movies, and it's it's always the worst the superhero movie is, it feels like. They always feel the need to hype their character up as the baddest motherfucker ever to exist, and I'm really sick of it, because 
They can't all be the most badass. He's also not Spider-Man's direct rival. That would be, like, number one rival would be, like, Venom, or... It's like, I'm sorry, is Dr. Octopus sick? Yeah. (laughs) Or Green Goblin, because he has actual ties to those characters. To be fair, they're more enemies than rivals, but so is Kraven, so... Also, in that case, it would be Venom. What really sucks is I Craven's my favorite favorite Spider-Man villain, and they're gonna do him dirty. And I, I'm, I'm so sorry. I know I'm very upset that my favorite Spider-Man villain is at least at least my favorite Spider-Man villain wasn't Morbius. I would be uh, <laughs> uh, uh I, I can't wait to hear Craven say his famous catchphrase. It's Craven time. Oh uh, <laughs> no! Nick, I don't know how to tell you this, but Morbius isn't anybody's favorite anything. Oh yeah. My God. Uh, hey, I grew up with the Spider-Man animated series, and they had a couple episodes starring Morbius, so... He's still not anybody's favorite anything. That's the only the only way I know him. Fair, Fair. Other than that, my collectible Marvel cards, that's it. They did also cast Emma Roberts in Madam Web. I saw that. I'm, I'm still don't care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn. It doesn't help that I don't know who anybody's playing in this movie, but even if I did, I still probably wouldn't care, because I watched Morbius... Mm. I can't wait for mm. her to say it's it's Madam Web time. It's Madam Web. It's Madam in time. Uh, make it stop, please. Never. God. Sony opened the spaghettios, and now we all have to sniff them. Yeah, spaghettios are inferior to actual spaghetti meatballs. Oh well, yeah, oh obviously God. that's I, part of what makes sniffing them I, so bad, Greg. Why? Why would you sniff the spaghettios? <laughs> I don't know. I'm cribbing a quote from Donkey. I think. I'm Fair very, enough. I'm very upset that Craven's gonna be done bad. Oh, you don't know how upset yeah. that makes me. I'm like actually depressed about it. Oh. Like when I first got the announcement, I was like, "Okay, cool, Craven. That's cool. I like Craven." A- Aaron Taylor Johnson. Uh oh, he don't look like Craven. Oh. <laughs> and then I saw that screenshot of him running with a white collared shirt barefoot. Oh, <laughs> and Jesus! And I'm like, oh, this is a movie, and now he's the protector of nature, the guy that skins animals. Yeah. <laughs> you want me to remind you of something that makes it all the worse? Hmm. They were originally going to do Craven for the third Tom Holland Spider-Man movie before they got on the multiverse plan. Yeah, quite honestly, I would have liked that better. I'm going to be completely honest. Uh, that that would have been my favorite movie of all time. Uh, I don't know if I would have liked it better, but I certainly think it would have been a more natural follow-up from Far From Home. And I say that as somebody who very much enjoyed No Way Home, even if I also think it is not the best Marvel movie of 2021. And I think in about... Six months time, I'm gonna look back at it and go, yeah, that was okay. I enjoyed it, but then again, I've only seen it once, and I like to keep that appeal. So yeah, that being said, what's next in the Comic Con? Comic Con already? Marvel Studios is coming back, baby. Is Comic Con already around the corner? July twenty first to the twenty fourth. Oh boy. Yeah, and Marvel Studios is back at Hall H after skipping. 2020 for obvious reasons, and also skipping the virtual event and the in-presence event in 2021. So, supposedly we're supposed to get Phase 5, right? We're supposed to get Phase 5 confirmation, right? Who knows, because we still don't know when... Because, ah, we still don't know when technically the end of Phase 4 is, so it could just be that this is rounding out the Phase 4 announcements. Here's what I'm thinking we're going to get. We're going to probably get another trailer for She-Hulk. We're probably going to get another trailer for... Uh, and hopefully they've updated the uh, 
special effects. CGI. We ha- we're going to get another trailer for, uh, what's the next movie after Thor? Black Panther. We'll probably get a tra- the first trailer for Wakanda Forever. We need a I casting. So. <laughs> we need a casting of Wakanda Forever. Yeah, I don't we know already, what the fuck We already movie- have a cast. They're what? not recasting Black Panther, well, so. What's that movie going to be? It's... You can't call the movie Black Panther Wakanda Forever and not have Black Panther in it. It's like, what is it going to be? <laughs> Watch them. Watch them do exactly that. No, but like, what is it going to be? It's going to be, it's going to, like, I don't understand the concept of that. It's, it's, it's Wakanda Forever. But there's no Black Panther! <laughs> not that uh, we know Actually, I don't think it's called Black Panther. I think it's just called No, Wakanda. it's called Black Panther Wakanda Forever. I hate, I hate everything. <laughs> Look, the odds are somebody else is taking up the mantle. We just don't know who. Shuri. <laughs> Hopefully not. Hopefully Okoye. Sure. Of the two, I would like Okoye because Okoye is actually a good character. But that's. I would take Okoye. Yes. Yeah. Bucky. <laughs> <laughs> that's. I don't. I think Bucky is incapable of being Black he'll be, Panther. He'll be the White wasn't Panther. He, I see. Wasn't he actually like named the White Wolf or something? He was named the White Wolf. Yeah. Yeah. Who in the comics is an entirely different character, but that's neither here nor there. I don't know. Let's just see. I guess Comic-Con week will be interesting, so. See, what I'm hoping for is, I'm hoping for that trailer. I'm hoping for some other announcements regarding upcoming Daredevil projects. I don't know what some of the Daredevil could be. Hopefully it's a good Daredevil time. (laughs) I don't know. Anybody's guess. We might get confirmation on some projects that we know are coming, like Nova or Daredevil, that haven't been officially announced by Marvel. Maybe we'll get some looks at, like, I don't know, Ironheart or Secret Blade or something. Blade would be nice. Blade would be very nice. They've been teasing him through the last couple, like, oh, man, that end scene for Eternals is the only reason to watch Eternals. (laughs) Maybe a Fantastic Four new director announcement. Maybe some casting? Mm -hmm. If we get casting for that, what if we get cast, what if they announce an X-Men for our movie? Ooh, I don't think I, I don't think my heart could take that. Ooh, dude, ooh. Oh. Especially not God. The 2019 San Diego Comic Con presentation was a thing of absolute beauty. Not just for all the stuff that they confirmed, like Shang Chi and Thor. Or, no, wait, they didn't. Con- yeah, they did confirm Thor: Love and Thunder at that point, and Hawkeye. But for the fact that they ended it with the surprise Blade announcement. If they <laughs> pull that off again, only now it's Fantastic Four and we get casting, or they pull it off with X Men, just a title oh. and a release date, I would die. So. Here's what I want to know. When, yeah. is, when is the event, and can I watch it with you? Because I want to I want to be hyped. Well, I'm going to be at work, unfortunately. When is it, though? Is it on a Saturday? Friday? It, uh, I don't know exactly when their thing is. Mm. We'll figure it out, and then I'll probably watch it before you, and fanboy. We also got another confirmation of somebody else attending San Diego Comic-Con. Warner Brothers Discovery has confirmed that they will be there. Oh, boy. However... With a more subdued presence than normal. I wonder why. It's not like two of their major movies upcoming have, like, terrible controversies surrounding them. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like they're going to have no presence on the convention floor itself. They do have panels scheduled for House of the Dragon, The Sandman, and Harley Quinn. But the CW shows won't be there. They've also confirmed that movies that are to open in 2023, such as The Flash and Blue Beetle, will not have panels regardless of the presence, as they are considered too far out for any panel to have a meaningful impact. Which means, basically, no, we're not taking any questions about Ezra Miller. Miller. We're also not taking any questions about Amber Heard. Nice sidestep. Yeah. Well done. 
<laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, they're basically not not dealing with that at all. They're gonna have, oh, I don't know. I, Warner Brothers, they they really got fucked over pretty hard. I genuinely never thought I would feel bad for them again after Batman v Superman. Yeah, but they, here we are. They, they uh they are not doing that great. Uh, and you know what's funny is the Discovery, the the new head of Discovery, though, because they, they were just bought out by Discovery. He wants to continue the uh, DCEU and wants to make it as good as Marvel. He's fully invested in it. Yeah, and he does seem to have some smarter ideas, like not spending $60 million on a movie that's going straight to HBO Max. <laughs> but, like, I just, I feel bad because it's not, uh, the, mm, we're not going to talk about those controversies, uh. Not until we have something more concrete, we're not. Believe me, I'm chewing up. I'm chewing up the flash jokes. They're here. They're present. I just, I just can't fire them off yet. (laughs) Anyways, okay, moving on. You had news, right? Oh yeah, just one small thing. Are we done with your news? Yeah, that was what I had. Okay, well, one small little thing to add. I heard on the radio today, and it's been confirmed by multiple sources. It's not just the radio. Uh, John Williams is planning on retiring. Considering it. He, he said that he believes that, uh, Indiana Jones 5 is going to be his last film. After that, he's probably, he said he's going to probably do a lot more concerts and symphonies, like, actually compose some concert music, uh, mm-hmm. for the Good rest for of him. his- The guy's 90, so, like- Yeah. <laughs> really? Oh, I yeah. didn't know he was that old. He is Ugh. 90 years old, and he's been composing since the 50s. So, Jesus. like, yeah, I mean, he- he really got popular around the 70s with Jaws and Star Wars and um, my favorite movie that he's composed, Close Encounter of the Third Kind. Um, what's everybody's favorite John Williams like score? Well, like 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 movie that, you know, like, I- iconic theme. I-, I-, I don't know. For me, Close Encounters of the Third Kind is a movie where the score is part of the movie. It's part of the plot. It drives it. And having an iconic da-da-da-da is just really... It- it, it hits, and I, that's the only movie where the score has made me cry. <laughs> I hate to say it, but it's Hedwig's theme from the Harry Potter movies. It's iconic. It, no, it's it's completely understandable. It's an iconic. I just theme. hate saying it now because Harry Potter, but yeah, uh, it's still I, a good piece of music. It is a very good piece of music. Any anything that he does is is great, and unfortunately, you know, we're gonna lose the voice of Star Wars. So you know, yep, I, well, we lost that a while ago. Well, yes, Star Wars lost its voice, but now it's losing its sound. I would say it is kind of a a cop out answer, but that's just because it's what I remember um, John Williams again the most is Anakin's Dark Deeds from Episode Three. Which okay. which one is Anakin's Dark Deeds? It's it's the song that plays like at the during, temple. Yeah, it's the song that plays like once he's fully turned to the dark side. Okay, and I believe it's the song that's played as Order sixty six is t- is going down. Okay. Okay. Master Anakin, there's too many of them. What do we do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm that's... uncomfortable. It's a very... It's it's a tie between that and Anakin's betrayal. Just those two pieces of music just really tie in the whole thing of, like, yes, this is a very significant change of events. Like, this is... I mean, you should be afraid. <laughs> I mean, I, I love all, all of his Star Wars stuff. Obviously, Indiana Jones is one of the most iconic theme songs of all time, period. Like, yeah. uh, Jaws, I mean, <laughs> I mean, come on, Jaws is the first blockbuster, and what a fitting, you know, two-tonal note to kind of play, you know. It, it literally is synonymous with shark attacks now. 
Like, yeah. it's it's so iconic that whenever you think of shark attacks, you think of the two-tonal note, so... Let's move on to something that isn't depressing. Video games. Yeah. <laughs> Video. All right. And we're There's just... never anything depressing about Blizzard Activision. Oh. <laughs> Actually, that, that let's go straight into someone dying. No. <laughs> oh, Jesus, really? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Might as well get it out of the way. I was fucking kidding. <laughs> you can't kill Go death. on. Uh, so, unfortunately, PlayStation and Dreamcast creator Bernie Stoller passed away. Um, so this guy is a very interesting guy in the history of gaming. So he was the president and chief operating officer at Sega. However, he left he left Sony to go to Sega during the during the height of early Sony. He was the um, vice president, executive vice president at Sony Entertainment during like the PS One days. Huh. The guy legitimately launched. He 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 greenlighted the Ridge Racer. Crash Bandicoot, Oddworld, and Spyro uh, trilogies. No kidding. And he left all of that to go to Sega because he wanted to help them build the Dreamcast. What a legend. Yes, he killed the- he he was the one that said that they should kill the Saturn and move on to the Dreamcast. And he basically was one of the major pullers into building the Dreamcast and making the Dreamcast what it was about, you know, going online, you know, about all the interesting things. Like, he he greenlight all of this, so he's kind of the father of the Dreamcast in a way, at least in Sega. Sega, Sega of America's eyes, and in my eyes, too. Um, yeah. You know, it's kind of just an interesting career pull to move away from at that point, you know, the sky was the limit with Sony, and he could have honestly been Andrew House if he if he kept his cards, you know, where they were. But uh, he went on instead to build the Dreamcast, which inevitably failed because, you know, of multiple reasons. There's a lot of a lot of reasons why the Dreamcast failed, but still, poor guy. You know, he was seventy-five years old. He will be missed. He is—he's a very important part of both PlayStation and Sega's, uh, you know, history. So, uh, poor guy. You know, I—I I feel bad for him. He died of unknown causes. So unfortunate. Next news, a little bit lighter. Uh, Skull and Bones got an ESRB rating. So. Uh, let's talk about death of others to death of virtual people. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Skull and Bones got an M rating. Skull and Bones, for you guys who don't know, is uh, essentially take the sailing from Black Flag and make it into its entire game at Ubisoft. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so it is entirely based around, uh, it's like a proper pirate game by Ubisoft. And it's gotten an, a full rated M from the ESRB. It's going to be, they're going to have like, some of the stuff that they say, they say when the rating, because the ESRB kind of puts out some of the stuff that they're talking about. That, that, that you know they're they're saying is it, it contributed towards the rating, blood, strong language, suggestive themes, use of drug and violence. It also has drug trading and sex workers in it. Ooh. Oh, sounds spicy. <laughs> Greg, you're a little too excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just it's, it sounds spicy, like 1500s, like drug trafficking. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's going to be interesting. It puts mm. a whole another whole another meaning to the word the spice trade. Are we talking high capsaicin oh. levels? Oh, I can't. Ah, fuck. I can't believe you've done this. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, this is gritty Sea of Thieves. It's very gritty, you know, like, more realistic-based uh, Sea of Thieves. Uh, I don't know if it has a story willing or not. I think it's supposed to be a co-op, uh, you know, or an online, you know, kind of battle kind of game where you go around shooting other pirates and 
whatnot. I don't know. I'm going to probably buy it on release, or at least play it on release. Uh, so they're supposed to re-reveal more details during July 4th week. So probably just going to be a release date that's going to be shown off with some more gameplay. Uh, it's confirmed for every console. So yeah, it's it's coming. Uh, it's been kind of in hiatus for a little bit. Uh, so it's interesting to have more news come out of it. So mm. Mm. Early development news from From Software. There are three games or several new projects in development right now. All right. Oh, boy. Yeah. Give uh, them to me. One of which, so I don't know if you guys know, when a game is in very, very, very early development, there are job postings because they need to, you know, start working on um, specific parts of the game, right? Right. Uh, usually those job postings are very indescript because they don't want to give, give out what game is being made. One of the things that was out there is they're looking for somebody who could be in a character design role specifically for mecha designs. Armored Core? Armored Core! Alright. Armored Core, I just, baby! I just it's... started playing one of the Armored Core games, so cool. Which one? Uh, Nexus. Nexus, okay. Which one is that... Four? No, uh, it's a it's an in between game. Um, yeah, because Verdict PS2. Day is the last one that came out. Verdict Day came out in twenty three, two thousand three. Yeah, no, I started playing it, and it's I actually great. started playing. Well, I started playing two, and I hated it because of the control scheme. Yeah. <laughs> and and then I was like asking around about it, and it's like, oh yeah, from software me. It's like that explains so much about this game. <laughs> Armored Core is a great game. It's also very important for the company because it kept them afloat for quite a while. Yeah. Uh, it was their big ticket game until Dark Souls came out. So Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, it was huge. It was it, I played Armored Core growing up. I really enjoyed that game franchise. So it's kind of cool to see it's been leaked. It's there is a there is a leak that quote unquote came out where somebody apparently claimed to leak images in early gameplay, but this is kind of a little bit more substantiated based on the the, the information that we have. They're also supposed to be working on um other projects which have been unannounced. They're basically doing a huge hiring poll right now. Uh, people are speculating that maybe some DLC for Elden Ring or potential Elden so Elden Elden Ring sequels in the works already. Oh, yeah, uh, maybe some Sekiro news. Who knows? Uh, okay, I'm, I don't know. It's cur- it's it's interesting. It's very early. Uh, I'm sure we won't hear about this game and whatever it is until like two years from now. But who knows? Yeah, full disclosure. I don't really play many From Software games. I played a little bit of Demon Souls, and I re- quickly realized I'm going to throw my controller. So <laughs> I'm just gonna not. Welcome to From Software. <laughs> yeah, but I do like what they do, even if I can't play it. <laughs> <laughs> they are they are definitely a company. So Yuji Naka, the composer for Sonic, uh, or the, one of the programmers and lead designers for Sonic, uh, has confirmed right. officially that Michael Jackson worked on music for Sonic Three. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> finally, huh? It has been a rumor for literally decades. <laughs> That Michael Jackson was involved in the development of music for 3. And it's been officially confirmed by Yuji Naka himself, who is head of Sonic Team. Uh, he, he he basically was the head the lead designer on Sonic 3. Uh, and a lot of people are really pissed off with Sonic Origins for a lot of reasons, and rightfully so. One of them is that they changed pretty much every track for Sonic 3. And that's because Michael Jackson... Um, Michael Jackson's estate legitimately says like there are some issues with the estate because Michael yeah. Jackson was having an it had an issue of how they changed the original I don't know it, it's a huge thing there was a huge like not a legal battle but some altercations between Michael Jackson's parties and um and Sega back in the day so uh, I guess you know they had to change tracks for so- Sonic's uh, Sonic Three soundtrack on the remake or the or in the the remaster and people are not liking it. Um, <laughs> the new music's not doesn't hit as well, so 
That's a reason to be upset. I'm upset because they have cutscenes that imply Amy's gonna have a more action-y role and she's not a playable character. Yep. Big sad. But on top of that, they've also, like, there's a lot of microtransaction scum shit that happened. There's a lot of stuff that happened with that game that's just not Microtransactions? Oh, it's bad. Oh, if you look look up Sonic... In a compilation game? Oh, no, they they literally lock stuff out. Like it's bad. There's a lot of really bad things about Sonic, oh. Sonic Origins. Yeah, it's got oh my God. absolutely panned. Uh, they've done some very scummy things with this release. Yeah. Um, something that's very scummy that I want to move on to. See, I told you it was depressing this week. Mm. Um, Square Enix is officially talking talking more about N- N- NFTs at their meeting board report that they just had. Their shareholders meeting room report and how they're going to implement NFT games. They want to make story focused. Oh, bye, everybody. They want to make what's called a story focused NFT. So they want to make games that utilize NFTs to drive the story forward. No, that is a terrible idea. So they're trying to create blockchain games based on Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest in the far future. All right, that's microtransactions to a whole nother level. What timeline is this? How can I go back? They are doubling and tripling down on this for some reason. And I don't know if Square Enix has followed any other company that's tried to do this, but it's never taken kindly from the Did the Seth Green chimp thing not tip them off? (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) Oh my god. So this is an actual thing that Square Enix is trying to do. So, I don't like koalas anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess we're going to have NFC story-focused games where you have to buy I swear to God, if this gets into Kingdom Hearts... Or Final Fantasy. I'm actually looking forward to 16. So if they I feel the games. worst is here. The worst I... is here already, guys. Sorry if I peeped the microphone. That was kind of the point. <laughs> <laughs> um... So yeah, that's uh that was some of the most depressing news I've ever heard. So <laughs> let's talk about something lighter. Let's talk about something lighter for a minute. You guys ready to talk about games? Specifically yeah. games coming out yeah. this week. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say we've been talking about games. Let's talk about games that are coming out this week that you can play. Alright. More okay. content. I just bought Switch Sports, even though that's been out for ages. <laughs> oh boy, I need to play Switch Sports even though it's been out for ages. <laughs> But anyways, uh, stuff so that's current. It's DLC week. We've got some pretty major expansions coming for three big games this this week. Cause uh, it's DLC. Delicious last course, maybe. <laughs> All right. Yeah, All right. Uh, Cuphead Delicious Last Course, which is the expansion for Cuphead. Pretty oh, much. it's an acronym. Yes, the DLC. Yeah. You never realized oh, that. You didn't me. realize that. You seriously never realized that? I, no. It didn't occur to me until now. God damn it, dude! I when they announced it, it's like, oh, oh, I kind of hate that. It's clever, but uh, I kind of hate that. I like it a lot. So, but fuck. Essentially, we're getting a whole new Cuphead game inside of Cuphead uh, with a new character, Miss Chalice. Uh, it comes out at the end of the week on the thirtieth, so Thursday. A lot of these games come out Thursday, by the way. Monster Hunter Rise has its first expansion, Sunbreak. Uh, comes out on the thirtieth. Uh, I'm not a Rise. I'm not a Monster Hunter guy, so don't ask me. It's just Monster Hunter. Don't uh, and then Out- Outriders, another game I don't play, has another major expansion called uh, World Slayer coming out on the 30th as well. So, 
Hmm. Um, games that are actually releasing, I didn't know this game came out, but I guess it came out in 2021, and now the complete edition's coming to PC, PS4, and PC. Disgaea 6. Okay. I did not know that Disgaea 6 came out. <laughs> Hmm. So I guess the complete edition's coming out tomorrow, as of date of recording. Is it that Gaia? This Gaia. Yeah. Okay. Uh-oh. Yeah, oh not God. not that not, not that Gaia. This Gaia. Uh... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> DNF Duel, which is the next game by the people over at uh, uh, Arc System Works. It's another fighting game. It's actually interesting. They took characters from their previous game, uh, from like the. What like the early two thousands, late nineties, and t- turned them into an actual like two D fighter. So that's kind of cool. Uh, the ca- characters all look actually pretty cool. Uh, essentially, they're all based on like gimmicks. Like one of the names character team is Brawler. One of them Shooter. Like they're literally just based off of the classes in the RPG. I believe the original is called like s- s- ah, di- something in fighting. I don't know. It's 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 kind of I, I, it's not my it's not my thing. I, I didn't grow up with this game. It's kind of like an old, 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 old RPG. Dungeon and Fighter RPG. That's what it's called. Mm. Mm. But yeah, no, that's coming out. That looks actually pretty good. The, the soundtrack looks guilty. It's just Guilty Gear with different characters. Mm. Um, All right. Escape Academy. It's it's a escape room kind of game coming for every console on the 20th, 28th. I mean, what more to say? It's escape rooms, you know. Um, Phobia. Don't remind me of escape room. Not that escape room. Oh, not room. that escape room, unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> Phobia, which is a first-person survival horror game that kind of looks like a mix between PT and, um, I don't know, probably PT and the the, the, the direction Resident Evil's going, uh, is, you know, it's it's coming out on the 28th by Maximum Games and developed by Pulsatrix. So, uh, it looks kind of cool. I kind of watched the trailer. It, it, it literally just gives off mad Resident Evil Silent Hill vibes, so. Okay. Hmm. MX versus ATV Legends. Uh, yeah, they still Jeez, make they're those? still doing those. They've been Jesus making them Christ. for years, and it's still made by THQ, by the way. <laughs> really? I, I didn't even THQ think THQ died. existed. What? Yeah. THQ Nordic. They're still around. They're the only what way, the like, one of the two of them left. Yeah. So uh, it's, the developer's name is Rainbow Studios, who I've never heard of before in my life. So I thought that series died on the PS2. What the no, hell? No, no, it's been going on since the PS2. Just nobody cares. What the yeah. fuck? It sells in China, probably. <laughs> probably. Holy speaking shit. Of, speaking of sports games nobody cares about, F122 comes out at the end of the month. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, I actually... I, uh, I've never really been into licensed racing like racing games. I kind of talked about this before, because it's one of those things where I watch Formula One weekly, or like whenever the races come on. So it's like, alright... Don't care because it's not the actual race. However, one of the forums, like Racing Sims forums, I f- frequent, um, got a early like release copy of it and did a short review of it. And it it doesn't sound bad, but it also doesn't sound like I'm missing on out on much. So yeah, I mean, I it's developed by Cosma- Codemasters, so I guess that's kind of cool. Yeah, uh, this is the first. It's the first F1 game that Codemasters has made under EA. Yeah, okay. which is kind of interesting. So yeah, it's a pretty open secret that EA bought Codemasters to get the F one license. <laughs> nah. So what what can you do? <laughs> but that goes. That's all of our games. Vote the out. worst company in the world again and watch them throw a fit. No, it's Blizzard right now. So it is Blizzard right now. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Bank of America and Blizzard are battling it out every day. 
Uh, nice. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny to me, but it really is. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, that's it for the games that come out this week. For the games that come out uh, came out this week in the past, uh, we have some treats for you. Right? Oh, yeah? Treats. Yeah. 25 years ago, happy birthday, Mr. Bones, and your wild ride for the Sega, Sega Saturn. What the hell is... Oh, it's a Saturn game. It has to be hundreds of dollars. Oh, it's it's one of the rarest games on the console. It's Mr. Bones Wild Ride. You know, it's the game... It's a shoot 'em up action rhythm game where you play as a skeleton with a guitar. It's awesome. I, I beg your pardon. Wait a minute. It's actually I, a platformer, but still, it's it's a, it's a rhythm-based platformer action I'm, game starring uh, a robot you, with an electric guitar. You said it's called Happy Birthday, Mr. Bones? No, it's called Mr. Bones. Just everybody, everybody online calls it Mr. Bones Wild Ride. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. That's why I'm getting a roller coaster tycoon thing when I say that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> so that came out 25 years ago today. It's kind of one of the hidden gems for the sake of Saturn. Uh, people make fun of that game immensely. Uh, it's 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 very rare and expensive. <laughs> so this is the prequel to Crypt of the Necro Dancer. Yeah. <laughs> 25 years ago we got mischief makers in japan uh i, I believe okay. yeah it's a it's an obscure game but it's cool enough uh it's a very very obscure uh nintendo 64 game i, I don't really remember the presence other than it's involving robots in some way we had 28 years ago i just want to mention it 10 gen went out of business unfortunately 1994 uh. 20 years ago, we got Golden Sun, The Lost Age for the Game Boy Advance. Don't you feel old now? <laughs> Jesus. Joke's on you, I already feel old. Yeah, All true. the time. <laughs> 35 years ago, we got the original out, Outrun. Not the uh, not the Genesis release, but the Sega Mark III release for the Mark III, which is an old Sega computer. So, okay. <laughs> Yeah, it's the first port of, uh, of Outrun, so... Uh, I mean, Outrun is you know it's iconic. What else to say about it? It's one of the one of the major arcade racers uh, out there, and it's fun. It's a very fun game where you have multiple paths that take you through different environments. It's classic. Mm -hmm. uh, here's a huge one. Happy 25th birthday to Star Fox 64. And Nintendo oh. has said nothing about it, so of course not. <laughs> of course not. It's Star Fox. They're just waiting for the last Star Fox fans to die in their sleep, so they never have to talk about it again. Jesus Christ. And then they could just pretend that Fox, Falco, and Wolf all debuted in Super Smash Bros., and nobody will be any the wiser. Speaking speaking of, uh, pro uh, of Super Smash Bros., Project Sora oh officially closed 10 years ago today. Project Sora oh. was a Masahiro Sakurai. Uh, his company, Sora, merged with... Uh, uh, Nintendo for uh, a small time called, and they, they called it Project Sora. They literally only made one game. Would you like to guess what game that was? Uh, Smash Bros. on the Wii. No, Kid Icarus Uprising. God damn it, you beat me to the punch. <laughs> ah, damn. Oh, well. So yeah, Kid Icarus Uprising was the only game they made. They pretty much partnered I to make it. I cannot play that game. <laughs> I cannot master the controls because you because I'm left-handed, but you need to use the left stick and the stylus and the shoulder buttons. So I'm just like, at mm, mm, at mm. it's also the only game they made. They were made specifically specifically for this, and then they uh, closed down right after. 
However, um, both companies went. However, Sora and Nintendo obviously worked together again to make the Smash Bros. port for Wii U and 3DS. So yeah, I think it's now Sora Limited. Yeah, They're, Sora Limited. It went back to Sora Limited. It went rather. back to Sora Limited, and they focused on Smash Bros. So that's yeah. that. That was a thing that happened. It was a short partnership. I got. One more for you, and this one's very interesting. Oh, boy. Uh, oh, boy. 29 years ago, the launch of the Mega Jet. Have you guys ever heard of the Mega Jet? I learned about it today, so I... <laughs> nope. No. So, back in the early 90s, Jap- oh, Japan... You were in a very famous TV show? Japan had an economic crash? Actually, I was almost in a, in a TV show. That was a whole other thing. I'll talk about <laughs> that later. Another oh, episode. that was supposed to be a BoJack Horseman reference. What the hell? <laughs> oh, no, I was almost... Okay. Well, tell tell me more about this Mega Jet. Okay, so the 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 uh the Sega Mega Jet back in the early '90s, Japan Airlines had an on system Mega Mega Drive that you can play. You could rent it. It had a little LCD screen in tucked inside the chair in Japan Airlines flights, and it had a little controller that pulled out its own console called the Mega Jet. You could what? play your Genesis games on the go on a flight. You can actually bring your own Mega Drive cartridges onto the plane and play them. If you didn't, they had games actually on store for you. It was a part of their in-flight entertainment for a while. Oh my god. What the hell? Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, it also, um, it essentially, uh, the technology of it, they ended up releasing it retail for uh, 15,000 uh, you know, uh, Japanese yen. Which I, okay. that comes out to around 150 bucks. I don't know something like that. I, I'm not too good with the conversion. Um, and it ended up being so. It ended the original one. This one ended up actually having a power source you plugged into a wall. It was stationary. This ended up being the prototype, pretty much for the Sega Mo- Nomad. Ah huh. yes, yeah. my old enemy, the Sega U-Mad. So they took oh, this console design and t- turned it into the Sega Nomad. So it's kind of interesting. It-, it was exclusive to ja- Japan Airlines, and it's incredibly rare to find one of these units around. So, well, um, now I want it. Thanks. Yeah, I did just take. I was going to ask about that. I wonder if people, because everything old and video gamey finds its way on ebay so it's like so did oh, people yeah. just straight up steal it from a japanese airline no it was retail it was retail. yeah but before when you said retail it's like oh that's good um cody if you want one because i did go oh i'm looking that. at it right now how, yeah. much is how, how much is it it's like a thousand dollars sounds about right yes it's incredibly rare there's one that's like 400 only it's probably defective. <laughs> don't yeah, don't trust that on the secondary market. But, but I don't know. Nah. I thought that was an incredibly interesting piece of like I never knew about this at all. It's incredibly no, that's insanity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they literally had little LCD screens packed inside of the inside of the the seats that you could pull out and just play Genesis games. <laughs> no, I if it was the prototype for the um, Nomad, I have to curse it a little bit because it because I love the Nomad. It's such a oddly charming console and i kind of hate that i like it <laughs> it, it <laughs> is like, very charming. no it's a dumb idea but it's an it extremely does have dumb charm. idea no it's like i i was asked like one time at work it's like hey we just got this nomad can you put some batteries in it run a couple games and make sure it behaves itself like yeah sure i'm playing on it for 20 minutes and, and it dies no it didn't die but it's like one of our um one of the people who like sell stuff through us he looked at me he's like greg are you all right it's like it's so charming. I kind of want it, but I don't want to go through the Genesis rabbit hole. <laughs> uh, I actually am a Genesis collector, so I can tell you it's a rabbit hole. Uh, yeah. To be, honest, 
collecting for Genesis is is way more affordable than you would think. So oh, I'm sure. wants to collect for it. So I'm just saying, nothing that takes six batteries is portable. All right, correct. <laughs> correct. Just a fact of life. I think one of our guys has a Nomad bundle with a game for like four hundred dollars in in our store right now. Oh wow! Damn. Yeah. But yeah, it's the uh, it's the basically the in between between the Game Gear and the Nomad. So that's kind of cool. okay. Okay. Uh, I just thought that was a pretty interesting piece of trivia. I've never heard of that before in my life till today. So I'm not I'm not an expert of everything. Just a lot of it with coming to games. So. <laughs> uh. So yeah, that rounds out the gaming news. Uh, and the gaming history news so so it's trailer time it's trailer time let's get that popcorn we're going to the movies let's start with the big one marvel studios thor love and thunder released a new team trailer this week Mm -hmm. and it's fine fine i mean i'm seeing it begrudgingly i'm not a big fan of taika wakiti but we'll see i'm a fan of taika waititi just not his thor movies but yeah yeah I mean, it, it it wasn't bad. There's just so many jokes here and there that don't work, like the are you packed just grabs a sword. Nice. Yeah, yeah it's not a joke. It's just a statement. It's like, it, I don't know. Like, the movie's and humor just doesn't appeal to me. And they keep trying to make the Guardians seem important, but I guarantee you they're out by like the minute first four? Like 20 minutes and then never coming back. Yeah. It's to so sell tickets. Weird. It's to sell tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't like it. Let's talk about the movie that is on all of our minds. Which one? Lyle Lyle Crocodile? By oh. Sony Pictures releasing? Yes. So I don't believe that this movie is, exists. I've seen the trailer twice now, <laughs> and I don't know why I don't believe it doesn't exist, because there's nothing there's nothing so objectionably bad that it's that it's spinning my head, but everything about it just feels like a goddamn fever dream. So I, have- I don't know what it is! I have two thoughts about the trailer. The first being that, you know, the gator is wearing gator outfit, so by default I have to hate it because He's FSU, a crocodile. Or a crocodile, but well that and also FSU family. <laughs> and the other part for me was like when the mom's going, it's like, he's a crocodile. And the kid's like, Yeah, I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong, he can like crush through through bone and he has a taste for human blood, but he's not like that. He wears a scarf and he can sing. <laughs> And I'm just like, it's just the whole thing. I'm like, well, shit, man, that's all you had to say. <laughs> it's just that clip from Pulp Fiction. <laughs> it's that's like, all you had to say. It's like, everything's fine now. He can sing? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, but the the, the thirst for human blood is, is still there? But hey, man, he can sing all's well. <laughs> it's, it's, it's patenting three crocodile jubilee. Yeah, it's it's a thing of like, I've... It's very rare that I have such an easy and that fun so time making fun of a trailer. <laughs> Honestly, I can see Paddington existing in the same universe as Lyle. Oh god, don't yeah. give them ideas, they'll do a crossover movie. No! Don't give them a thought. No, I mean, it's kind of a thing too, of like, and I t- talked to Cody about this outside the, uh, outside the podcast. What is it, it feels like studios now are doing the thing from 2005 of making live action movies and inserting like 2D and 3D characters, and it's like, okay, it's like the fourth one of these I've seen. They never stopped, man. There's Peter Rabbit, there's Paddington, which is apparently a masterpiece, there's Lyle Lyle Crocodile. Paddington 2 is a masterpiece. You need to watch it. I'll watch it at some point. I will be at movie night this week. We don't have an excuse. It's on my list. Well, we'll see if we vote for it. We'll see where the votes fall. 
Yes. Okay. And they I, never stopped. There was Clifford. They never stopped making these movies, man. It feels like I was hearing a lot more about them after the Tom and Jerry movie. This sounds like that's a coincidence. This sounds like one of those. Rob Schneider was a crocodile. <laughs> <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog is one of those movies. Yeah. <laughs> Tom is a cop. He lives a so he lives a life where he wants to go on the road until one day. Meeting up meow. With a new hedgehog and turns his whole life upside down. Uh, meow. <laughs> I hate this so much. Q Q's fortunate son as it goes on to the next word of the trailer. <laughs> no, you know the even worst part. Here's the even worse part of this thing. No, it's, it's fucking. It's the fucking brother bear. I'm on my way. While they're on the car. Oh, dear. So, the directors of this movie are Will Speck and Josh Gordon, who not only directed Blades of Glory, (laughs) they are the writers and executive producers for Hulu's Hit Monkey show. So, despite everything in my body telling me that this is going to suck based on the premise and the fact that this is about a singing crocodile who, in the trailer, we never really see singing or talking... Voiced by Sean Mendez. What's it? What is it with like pop stars getting an acting turn now? Like big, like I mean, I guess they always have. But, well, that's like, always been a thing. Harry yeah. Styles first in, as an actual Marvel character. Now we have Sean Mendez as a single crocodile. What? What is this universe? I remember uh, like a some stand-up comedian one time making the joke of like, "Oh yeah, like your agent comes up, she's like, yeah, man, you're good. You can make people like laugh and go crazy. Uh, can you rap?" It's like, what? Now we just need a line that rhymes with, and I'm here to say. Yeah, and it's it's like like you're a famous rapper and all. It's like, yeah, you make millions of dollars in music. Can you do, like, acting for a kid's movie? I don't remember who did this. This was, like, something I watched in, like, high school, I think. But it was something that resonated with me quite a bit. Oh, well, I I will be there begrudgingly if there's nothing else that weekend I need to watch. I think that's currently the only thing for that weekend. Oh, no. Well, I guess Lyle Lyle Crocodile. See you later, Crocodile. Or after a while, Crocodile. I don't know. We'll we'll see when we get to it. (laughs) Okay, next on the list is Barbarian. Yeah, by 20th Century Studios. It looks all right. Zach Kreger of Whitest Kids You Know fame. What? 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 Yeah. Wow. Okay, okay. I, I saw that trailer. I, I This is the only one that I actually saw in the theater because it played right before Black Phone. It did. Um, and it it looks all right. It looks kind of like a... a, a shit. Uh, Minotaur. Kind of like... Um, uh, it kind of feels like the Minotaur's maze kind of deal, you know? Hmm. I, I don't know to me. I, I don't know. It, it feels like a kind of shitty, like, A24 movie. It feels... <laughs> A little bit, almost a little bit idyllic, weird thing going on based on the end, especially that ho- that serene looking house. Yeah, I yeah. I, do, I do get the like low budget A twenty four vibes too. Oh, mm. I can't wait till we we get to see the trailer for Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> you mean Blood and Honey? Bloody and Honey? No, it's Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey. It's just called Blood and Honey. Oh no, it's called. I thought it was called Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey. No, it's just called Blood and Honey. Oh, well, I want to see Blood and Honey. I will say this. This trailer looks better than the teaser trailer we got for Fall that was also in front of the black phone. Because that was... Yeah, Fall was full of CGI bullshit. 
And also, that's not a movie premise. That's a short film premise. That's a five-minute short film premise. Mm. To be fair, the same the same exact director and same team did Forty Seven Meters Down, which is the oh power. god damn it! Yeah, it's the same exact <laughs> movie, but it's, it's instead of Forty Seven Meters Down, it's Forty Seven Meters Up. Hundred Meters Up. Yep. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But uh, let's talk about Smile. Which uh, is that made by Blumhouse? Paramount Pictures, apparently. Well, I'm... okay, it might still be Blumhouse. Let me double check. It looks like a Blumhouse movie that I'm gonna skip. <laughs> uh, that that trailer, like. Like, after I finished with it, I just said, nope, no desire to watch that. It looked too much like True, True for Dare, but without the True for Dare part. No, it was, for me, because, well, granted, I don't do horror at all, but it was genuinely extremely unnerving. Like, the whole time, it's like, like, like halfway into the trailer, it's like, I'm not seeing this movie. I have Worst no desire about- to see it. Looking at looking up stuff for this movie is I keep running into the same thumbnails and it's just unnerving to look at. Yeah, it, it's it's it is a thing of like I have. It looks like it can be good, but I don't care. I have no desire to see it. It does is not, not look good. It does not look good to me. To me, it looks like every other horror movie that's been made about this. I don't know. It doesn't look at all. I don't know. I think the only interesting premise is that the character isn't a teenager. It's an it's an, a grown ass adult who's a, like a therapist. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, because normally this movie would be done where like there's a whole bunch of kids at a party and one of them smiles and goes to the corner and sl- slits their, their throat and then all the other kids are scared and then one by one they start you know getting the smiles disease or whatever the hell it is but, it's no, and- definitely derivative it's a little bit truth or dare it's a little bit bye bye man it's a little bit the grudge or the gr- no, a little bit the grudge no not the grudge it's the ring because you got seven days you know I you got guess. like a week to live mm-hmm. yeah. yeah but I don't know Horror is one of those things where my bar for a good horror movie, or at least an entertaining horror movie, is much lower, because if it's good, then it's good. If it's bad, then it's funny. So, <laughs> fair. Fair enough. For me, my bar is much lower, and I'm th- this one, I'll admit, genuinely unnerved me a bit. And... The last scene was very unnerving when the neck goes down. Oh, God. Yeah, Thanks that was bad. me of that. Because it was- it was that out of my brain. You're, you're, everybody expects the, the, the head to come down and it's smiling when it's, the neck comes down. Uh, yeah. I still have to walk to my car, you asshole. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. <laughs> Anyways, I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, it looks like this is that director's feature directorial debut. Okay. Uh, Parker Finn has directed a couple of short films, those being Laura Hasn't Slept and The Hide Behind. Can I also just say this is just completely uh no foul the, that 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 Marcelo and the shell of shoes on is not coming anywhere near us and I'm very upset about that. Yeah, that looked that looked pretty charming. I'm a yeah. little upset. But me, maybe it'll get a wider release cuz everything everywhere all at once took a few weeks to get out here. Me and me and my girlfriend really want to watch that movie. Me specifically, but I know she wants to as well. So. Ah. <laughs> well, if that wraps up trailer time, let's go to the box office for this weekend. Okay. Fanfare. Yeah. <laughs> Which I've re-included this week, not only because we're no longer on a huge time crunch, but because there was an actual race for first place this weekend. Mm. And when all said and done, Elvis took the number one spot at $31.2 million domestic, which is also its total domestic currently, and a $51.2 million worldwide total. Against an $85 million budget, this movie's going to need some legs to make some money back at this stage, but we'll see what happens. It ain't nothing but a hound dog. 
<sighs> so I I I still kind of want to go see it, but the problem is it's a three hour movie almost. Is it three hours? It's, it's three two hours? hours and forty minutes or something. Look, man, I really like Tom Hanks, but I don't like him that much. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the issue, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Three hours so, of Elvis is not great. Yeah. Uh, just go to an Elvis concert. Oh, wait. Oh. Uh, oh. Second place, a close second. Top Gun Maverick at $29.6 million domestically this weekend. Good for Maverick. Yeah, its domestic total is now $520.8 million for a $1 billion worldwide total, so... First movie of 2022 to cross that billion dollar mark. Might end up being the wait. only one. We'll see. Wait, wait, wait. So, like, not even, like, Doctor Strange has had Doctor that. Strange did not cross that. Maverick, wow. That's yeah. a little insane. Right. <laughs> a 30-year-old sequel beats out a Marvel movie. Okay, sure. Insanity. Wow. Yeah. Third place, we got Jurassic World Dominion at $26.7 million domestically for this total, or for this weekend. That brings its domestic total to three hundred and three million for a seven hundred forty-eight point eight million worldwide total. It and Top Gun Maverick have similar budgets. Top Gun Maverick's at one hundred seventy million. Jurassic World Dominion's at one hundred eighty-five. So both are making a pretty tidy profit at this point. Oh yes. Fourth place, we got the Black Phone at twenty-three point six million domestically this weekend for a thirty-six point six million dollar worldwide total. But its budget's only sixteen million dollars, so it's already. Turning it's, a profit a little bit. Yeah, it's starting to turn a profit. Most likely. <laughs> and then in fifth place, Lightyear at $18.1 million domestic for an $89.2 million domestic total and $152.8 million worldwide total. Poor Unfortunately, Lightyear. its budget is $200 million. Oh. Ooh. So it shot for the stars, but unfortunately it's not falling with style. It did not break the atmosphere, no. Oh. That's rough, buddy. To infinity, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a shame! It doesn't deserve to be not that today, bad. Zerg. Should, oh. should definitely make so, some money back from it at least. Yeah. So let's move on to the feature presentation for this week. Yeah, the Black Phone, which directed by Scott Derrickson. What has Scott Derrickson done? The first Doctor Strange. Really? Really? Yes. So, uh, did you know anything about this movie going in? I didn't, and then I did some research. I saw the trailers, and that was it. So, this movie is actually done, uh, it's written by uh, Stephen King's son. Oh. You don't say. Joe Hill. Joe Hill uh, wrote the story that this is based off. He's also an executive producer of this movie. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Uh, So, I I did not see this movie, because I don't do horror. (laughs) <laughs> it's very, very, very good. Addendum, okay. Greg does not do horror unless we force Greg to do horror. And even still, it's rather reluctantly more often than not. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, uh, Scott Derrickson also did the two Sinister movies. Oh, wow, really? Okay, makes well, sense. Well, okay, he was director for the first Sinister, and then he was writer and producer for the second one. Hmm. He also, also on this movie, there was some pretty big legs on it. Uh, you know who else was involved in this movie? Ethan Hawke? Well, yes, Ethan Hawke, you, you know, obviously was involved in this movie. For all I knew, he had an executive producer credit, man. I was taking a swing. <laughs> no. Uh, Tom Savini did The Mask. Tom Hor- Savini? What is that? Horror legend. About? He's a horror legend, prosthetic makeup artist for Night of the Living Dead, all of, you know, oh. uh, uh, Dawn of the Dead, from Dust Till Dawn. Oh no! He that, that no. Those are the movies he appeared in. Never mind. He did like a lot of the early, early, early like Friday the Thirteenth makeups. 
uh, Maniac, The Burning, The Prowler, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Like, he's a huge makeup artist guy. Uh, he's one of the horror legends. Like, uh, it, it's pretty impressive that he did that. I'm going to be honest. Uh, I, I did not know that he did. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just pretty, pretty excited to see him on something, you know, else, you know, this in his twilight of his career like this. It's kind of cool. Yeah. It definitely shows because this was a very good movie. It was excellent, and having known knowing that Joe Hill was involved, it definitely feels very Stephen King esque. It does. It's very much feels like something like, like this. I don't know. Knowing Joe Hill and what he's done, he's done Lock and Key, he's done Nosferatu, he's done a lot of really big things that are kind of blown up. Uh, he he has the same kind of appeal as his father. He's just writing it in a different way. Um, I really want to get into reading Joe Hill's stuff because I actually kind of like his premises for his stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one is a very interesting one. I have never read The Black Phone, but I kind of want to buy it and read it. It's a short story. so Nice. Cool. So yeah, yeah to, give, to give some context, Greg, uh, it's a supernatural horror film revolving around a pair of siblings, one of whom gets abducted by a serial killer known as The Grabber, who's played by Ethan Hawke. And while he is trapped... In a room with a phone that allegedly doesn't work, but continues to ring, and each time he picks it up, he hears the voice of another kid who was killed by the same guy. Oh boy. His sister is getting visions of the previous victims and trying to use that to help spearhead the search for her brother. Oh. It's very, very well done. Oh, that sounds just so traumatic. Oof. It's it's very uncomfortable. Yeah. Why did I write hardest kid in letter candy? Oh, Robin. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> hardest kid in letter candy. I'm sorry. Wait, 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 wait. Why did you say that? That's uh it's a it's a bit Have you seen any of Letter Kenny? No. So, there's a bit from the little bit that I've seen early on where the main character Wayne is the tough is the hardest guy in Letter Kenny and he has to earn the title back after a while of no fighting. So, ah. as soon as Robin's beating the shit out of that bully at the start of the movie, I just put Hardest Kid in Letterkenny. I also put <laughs> Robin's the man I want to grow up to be. Oh my god. <laughs> a little late for that, but... And, and there's never too late for dreams. That was yeah. not a coherent sentence. <laughs> but no, this was quite good. Very suspenseful. It's The premise is solid enough that you don't get caught up in the minutia of trying to figure out how it works. You're just brought into the premise it's also like ethan hawk's performance in this holy shit like the guy knows how to play a very menacing like child abductor very well uh there's some scenes where generally maybe you get chills where like he's like like there's one one scene for for example like the kid you know the main character's sleeping and then in the corner of the room ethan hawk's just sitting there staring at him and he goes, what are you doing? I just wanted to what, look at you. I just wanted to see you. And it's very creepy. It, 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 he does a really good job considering his face is hidden behind a mask pretty much the entire time he's on screen. Yes. Yes. It was... It's an excellent, excellent, excellent movie. I actually really enjoyed it. Uh, believe it or not, I'm, I'm reading more into this movie. <laughs> Apparently it screamed a Tribeca uh, this year, which makes oh. sense. It seems like a Tribeca movie. It also, uh, this movie was entirely made because uh, Scott Derrickson was supposed to be uh, the director for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And uh, when he, you know, got to le- left that project, they went directly to make the Black Phone. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, I guess I'm glad that Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness was directed by Sam Raimi, so. Yeah. Because yeah. we got this good movie. 
Yeah, uh, it's very well grounded. Uh, I think my favorite character is Gwen, uh, the little girl. Uh, I I really like her character. How she's like the exact. I could not op- figure out. Are they? Is she the younger sister, or are they like twins younger sister? Or? Younger sister. Okay. Yeah, she's younger sister, but her whole deal is she's you know, she's she kind of a know it all and kind of like you know she's the more grown up of the two, or at least she knows how the world works compared to her brother. Um, I like I, that I, she called the police. Uh, I wrote it down here: dumb fucking fart knockers. Yep, <laughs> that was that was a phrase. Is, what, is I wrote that down rated? twice actually for emphasis. <laughs> is the movie rated R or PG thirteen? Uh, it's rated R, M- I think. Okay, I was gonna say. So it's like, is that the is that the whole like they get one f bomb thing? <laughs> or maybe it was PG thirteen because I think that was the only f bomb I remember. Hmm. I mean, the only really gory scene is uh, spoiler alert at the end. Uh, yeah, the... we'll we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Yeah. I guess but... that is the. Oh nope, it's rated R apparently. So. Oh okay. yeah. Oh really? Probably All just because right. of the content. Yeah. Probably. Because yeah. I was gonna say, I was like, if that, if that if the end of the movie is not R, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I also like how they do a really good job making each of the previous victims distinct, and they each supply a different thing. Even I the like... ways that they manifest are kind of unique. Hmm. I liked uh, I liked the uh, the thrash metal kid, the punk. Uh, oh, there's a thrash metal kid. Yeah, he's very much supposed to be the metalhead. Uh, and Pinball the whole... Vance or whatever his name was. Yes, his name is Vance, and he gets basically gets arrested because some kid fucked with his pinball game by accident. Oh, <laughs> and then he car- and, and then he, he carved the a score into his arm. Oh, yeah. Which the, the score ends up being important. So in yep. in his own arm or in the kid's arm? In the kid's, the kid's arm. arm. Oh, yeah, that's pretty metal, all right. No, it's it's a it's a very 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 good movie. I I honestly highly recommend it. It's uh it's about as scary as it was in terms of like the horror level. Mm. Uh, it's it's more like the creepy child abduction shit is what's really more scary than the actual like grabber himself. You know. Right. Yeah, I guess that that's definitely true. The realistic elements are more terrifying than the supernatural ones. Yeah, I was more scared about the mannerisms of Ethan Hawke than I was the actual like supernatural elements and stuff. Like even mm. like the couple of jump scares that they have with the kids, like they they weren't as bad as some of the stuff that Ethan Hawke was doing. Oh, uh, the theater the... I was in would not shut the fuck up. It was like a whole room full of me's. Oh my god. <laughs> You see, here's the thing. If I I went with my girlfriend, and if I were to talk through the movie, she'd be like looking at me like, "Shut up!" Like, okay, I, I should shut up when I'm watching that. But uh, so that's why I write notes down now, so I don't have to make jokes out loud. Can we go on a spoiler talk? Yeah, you know what? I think we're going to move into spoilers. Long and short of it is, it's a it's a it's a damn good horror movie. It's a very 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 good horror movie. Uh, the scene where the dad beats the shit out of Gwen was very 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 upsetting to look at. Yeah, the dad's. The dad's widowed and an alcoholic, and it's implied that their mom had some kind of psychic abilities, but they went to a darker place, and the dad, they end up having a moment of actually honestly talking about it afterward, where he brings up that he just doesn't want the same thing to happen to his daughter that happened to her mom, because it's implied that the mom killed herself. Hmm. Okay. Which is very sad. I feel like it was maybe wrapped up a little too neatly. That was the one thing of the movie where I was like, uh, okay, I could have done with a little more exploring of this, but... Right. I really liked the ending. It was very cathartic. How, you know, 
the ghost got their comeuppets on him. Yeah. For reference, the got the last kid who gets abducted, Finny, ends up having to basically fight the grabber to get out. And not only does he manage to do a spectacular job of it, he pretty much everything that the other kids had him do as part of an escape attempt comes into play. So it feels very cathartic and final and like they're all getting their own little shot at revenge. Hmm. So that's neat. Yeah, it was, uh, I don't know, I quite enjoyed it. Um, I, I enjoyed the catharticness of that, that, that whole scene at the end. Uh, I, I don't know, this whole movie itself, it's really kind of hard to explain, how, like, the appeal of the movie unless you watch it. It's that old time, pretty much set in the 70s kind of movie, or early 80s. And, I specifically um, wrote, watching a child kill a man has never been so satisfying. Oh, yeah, it was Jesus. <laughs> no. It, it was genuinely really, really satisfying to watch, and uh, I, I, uh, I was at the end of the movie. This is one of the few movies where I had a lot of people clap at the end. So, oh, nice, nice. Yeah, we didn't have that. Really but enjoyed it, so okay. I think they were all too busy. I think they were all too busy making dumb jokes and not shutting the fuck up. <laughs> AKA pulling a pulling a me. I, I was gonna say it's like, oh, gee, it's a good thing we don't know anyone else who does that. <laughs> yeah, guilty is charged. Mm. At least I'm quieter about it. <laughs> right. That that's fair. That is fair. I don't just shout stupid shit. Mm. Is there I, any I either whisper it in somebody's ear or I write it down. <laughs> is there anything else that you'd like to add about this movie? I did have a joke when the phone first starts ringing and he picks it up of we've been trying to reach you about your vehicle's extended warranty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I get those calls at work. Oh my god, really? Yeah, I get them at my job, and it's like, look, I know this is probably like an automatic robot or some kind of spam thing, but you think the fool who set this up would be smart enough to check a box saying, don't call actual business. Make me wonder if, like, the police department gets those calls. <laughs> probably. They're uh, probably dumb enough. Hmm. There's, uh, I've never been so happy to be, or I've never been so impressed to be so frustrated by a movie, because there's a bit about halfway through it feels like where the kid almost gets away okay and he actually gets out of the house but it's the middle of the night and the grabber ends up chasing him down in his van and he's trying to scream for help but as soon as he starts shouting and some of the neighboring porch lights come on he gets tackled and the grabber threatens to basically just gun him with a knife if he makes any more sounds and it's just heart-wrenching oh oh that's unfortunate However, he did kind of have it coming because if it were me, I say, knowing full well I would be too chicken shit to even do as much as this kid did, but <laughs> if it were me, and I'm walking past this guy while he's asleep, and I'm trying to sneak out the front door, that's when I take the pen that he was yep, stupid enough to not take me, and stab him in the neck. fucking neck! Yeah. yeah. But that's, that's just me! That's that's fair. That's true. I mean, it would be smart. <laughs> It was a really good twist because uh, one of my favorite parts of this thing is when the police get a tip, they start checking some of the houses and they check this one with this guy who is just on a coke fuel bender and he's researching the case and he's trying to narrow down the area and he's like, the, the grabber's got to be here. He's got to have like a vehicle or something. <laughs> it's like, is this your house? Oh, no, this is my brother's. I'm kind of between jobs, so I'm house sitting for him. It's like, all right, well, call us if you see anything, man, and maybe, you know, gestures at the code, maybe clean up before he gets back. Ah, oh, god damn it! And then it turns out the kid's imprisoned under that house, and the brother oh. just didn't know because he's too drugged out. 
Yeah, it was a very good twist. Oh, that was funny. Oh, what? <laughs> it's a funny twist. Uh, fair. It's also really awful, but it's a funny twist. Yeah, I think I would be more caught up by the awfulness than whether or not it's funny. <laughs> I guess. I mean, it's, I feel like that's definitely one of those I would have to watch the movie to have an adequate reaction type of deals. Fair enough, fair enough. I went looking up that movie that Finney was watching before he got nabbed. Yeah, 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 what was that movie? Uh, apparently it's called The Tingler. The Tingler. Is it a real movie? It's a real movie starring Vincent Price. Can we watch it? it Maybe. It's directed by William Castle. And an interesting thing, apparently William Castle was known for his movie gimmicks. And The Tingler had one where he attached electrical buzzers to the underside of some seats in theaters to provide tingling sensations during certain scenes to help make the audience freak out a little bit more. That's pretty awesome. He also hired fake screamers and fainters to put in the audience. (laughs) Which, I don't know, on the one hand feels a little disingenuous, but on the other hand, hey, movies are art, and that's performance art, in a sense. Yeah. So, whatever works... I guess. <laughs> all in all, no, this was a tremendous movie. Honestly, I'm, I don't want to say I'm definitely going to see it again, but I might see it again if I get the sh- chance to see it. Right. I don't know. I really enjoyed it. I want to see more of it, this kind of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. I guess uh, that's all I really have to say on it. So. And now that I've magically removed Greg... Let's talk about the stuff that he hasn't watched and doesn't want to be spoiled on. So what are we starting with, Obi-Wan or uh, Miss Marvel? Might as well knock Obi-Wan out of the way since it's the last one, probably. It was the last one. The Uh. Ah. Good job. I made it funny. (laughs) You did. (laughs) This really should have been a movie. They could have taken the whole series, condensed it down to maybe a two-hour movie, two-and-a-half-hour movie, and called it a day. Uh, I'm not a fan. They missed a a, a crucial point when they were doing the uh, Vader and uh, Obi fight uh, on that one planet. They could have put in the music that was playing during episode three. Duel of the Fates? Yeah, no, not Duel of Fates. The, 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 what is it called? Uh, it's, it's the song that plays when they're on Mustafar, when they're fighting each other. Is that not Duel of Fates? No, Duel of Fates is uh, Darth Maul. Okay, I guess it's been a while since I've seen Revenge of the Sith. I thought that was the same music. No, no, I... Ironically, we were talking about John Williams earlier, but, like, I don't I don't know all of his tracks by, by heart, but... Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is 100% fair. He's got a lot of them. I mean, yeah, the guy's been working since the 70s, 60s, 50s, I don't know, whatever. Whatever, but yeah, no, uh, they should. They could have played that, and made, what it, what it, my point in opinion would have hit a little bit more. Uh, uh, there are some cool details from it, though. On the end of episode six, you know the scar that he has on the top right of his head. Yeah, that's actually canonically the scar that Obi Wan gave him in the show. Oh, yeah. Okay. They 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 made it so it's the actual that that it 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 kind of shows how he got that scar, which is kind of cool. I, I will give it that. That is actually kind of a cool idea. If you didn't notice, you know the only person to truly see Darth Vader's full face or Anakin's full face again is Luke. Even Obi didn't see the full face; he just kind of saw half the face. Yeah, and then apparently in the animated, or I don't know, somewhere apparently Ahsoka sees only por- a portion of the face too. So like, I think it has to be in Rebels. Yeah, I think it is Rebels, but nobody sees the full face but Luke because that's his son. So 
Nobody sees Vader's full face. Not nobody, not know how. I, <laughs> I will say, speaking of Luke, this is the first, like this in the last episode, the first where we actually got to see Luke's actor. You know, I can totally see the kid a lot more believably as Luke. So That kid looks like he gets beat up for his lunch money. Yeah, which is what Luke is. That's how Luke is. <laughs> <laughs> he got his blue milk money stolen. <laughs> it would have been cool to see him playing around with his other friends, like Wedge, <laughs> before they yeah, went. Yeah, that would have been nice, yeah. but... Honestly, I'm more I'm more curious about why in all the I've got no love for the Empire, why doesn't he ever bring up that time an Inquisitor showed up and almost <laughs> killed me? Probably because he doesn't remember it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I just feel like you'd at least remember bits and pieces well, of that. Well, keep in mind, you know, the way that Owen and Baru staged it is that it was a Tusken Raider attack. I mean, I guess the, fir- the first thing that really comes to mind is, oh, where's all the Tusken gear? And they're not going, er, 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 but I don't know. I guess he did never see the lightsaber. Yeah, he never technically saw the lightsaber. He could have just assumed it was some bounty hunter. I don't know. Yeah, okay, that, that tracks. <laughs> I'll I'll believe that. Still looks like he should get beaten up for his blue milk money. Not that I can do it. <laughs> I just think it'd be funny. I don't know. This show really honestly didn't need to exist. I, I I it baffles me. I'm in a weird spot with it where I think it's one of the best episodes and I don't hate the show, but I'm more apathetic to Star Wars than I've ever been before, and I think I'm kind of done keeping up on things just because. I the the ending for for what's her name Reva yeah the Reva's ending is so stupid. <laughs> I like it. We don't get enough dark siders who actually turn their back on the dark side. It's just very cliche. It it it, it the 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 whole like villain changes changes turn at the end of the episode. Like I, it's I don't cliche, know. She had an arc. But... She had an arc, so I can't really say it wasn't coming. But like I like it a lot better than other redemption arc Star Wars has gone for, where someone commits untold atrocities, turns to the good side, and then dies before they have to actually face up to what redemption actually means. So, no, I don't, I still don't necessarily think her character was great, but knowing that this is where it ended up, I'm fine with it, because it's basically, it's... It's actually kind of funny because it adds a layer of tragedy to Obi-Wan being so sure that Anakin can't be saved and can't be redeemed. Because here we have somebody who was basically on path to becoming another Anakin who then stopped. Also, I still think that the standout for this entire show is, uh, uh, fuck, what's his name? Broken? No, uh, Leia's dad. Oh, yeah, Bail. Bail. Bail Organa is legitimately the best is dad. Is he still Jimmy Smith's? I I think they got the same actors. Yeah, they got the same actors from the originals. Huh. But, like, Bale in this show gives maximum dad energy, and I love it. He is, like, the best dad to Leia, and I love it. Yep, I Jimmy Smith. I love seeing his inner- and I actually really like seeing them raising Luke, too. How committed they were to their child, it actually shows. So, I mean, it shows that they actually both had, even though they have vastly different childhoods, they both had very, very supportive, like, parental figures in different ways. You know? Yeah. It was nice to see that, especially because, you know, in the first Star Wars movie, the very first Star Wars movie, they're really only there to be obstructions to Luke's hero's journey, and then that's it. Because as soon as they're out, there's no mourning, there's no actual sense of connection, really, because it's all thrown out in favor of Obi-Wan and then Vader. But I like that here, it's clear, yes, they are a family, they all care for each other, 
Luke is, for all intents and purposes, their kid. Mm -hmm. We also got the meat processing guy. He got the shit kicked out of him. That was nice comeuppance. Oh, did he? Yeah, he was the guy. He was the guy who was in line for. He cut in line for water or what have you, and then Reva fucking. Oh, that was him. Just... I didn't notice that. Okay, that's yeah, that's cool. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah, he did get his comeuppance then, I guess. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, this episode was fine, and there's a lot in it where it's pretty good shit. The Obi-Wan-Darth Vader duel is good. I like how Obi-Wan, they established that Obi-Wan is able to move on because Anakin gave him that taunt of, you didn't kill Anakin, I did this to myself. Yeah, and that kind of shows, well, yeah, okay, Vader, and he doesn't call him Anakin anymore. And that actually tracks, because uh, he never calls Goodbye, him Anakin. Doc. Yeah, go goodbye, Darth, and he, like in the in the in a, in even in New Hope, he never calls him Anakin. It's always Vader. So we also got the hello there, and it actually felt not forced. It was telegraphed, but it, to be fair, they needed to do it at least once. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things where it's a catch twenty two of if there's so many ways you can do it wrong, in which case it will be hokey and stilted. But if you don't do it at all, people are gonna complain because it's such a big meme. So, I think they handled it well. Yeah, I mean, Star Wars is full of iconography. It's it's full of, you know, everything is... One might argue that's one of its problems. Yeah, that is that is one of its problems, is that it's too iconic. And, and anything Star Wars done is untouchable. I was I was just... I don't know. I get to this point where I, I, I see it with myself with Star Wars, where I'm becoming that angry comic book nerd about Star Wars, where I'm like, it's not like, it's not like that. Ah, they're changing this. And I really have to step back and realize that this... Star Wars, every generation has a new bit of, you know, anytime they change anything with Star Wars, the previous generation gets upset. <laughs> Freaks the fuck out, yeah. Yeah, like, Makes like, me glad I didn't grow up with it, because I can just be like, man, I'm just not a huge fan, but that's fine. Well, I grew up with the prequel trilogy, because I was a kid when those came out, so, like, obviously yeah. I have a, a very big attachment to those movies. My dad hated the prequel trilogy, except for episode three, because episode three was a genuinely good movie. Episode 3 is good. It's a genuine good movie. It's actually, you know, has the most action out of the three and, and sets up the actual uh, relationship, the, the actual betrayal of Anakin real well. The biggest problem with 3 is that 1 and 2 weren't better. I like 1 and 2 a lot now. I They're not perfect, but they're, they are corny and they, um, they hold a spot in my heart. Uh, mm. But that being said, the reason why we hated the sequel trilogy is because, I, I'm, I, at least for me, I grew up with the original, with the, with the prequel trilogy. And I guarantee you all the kids that saw the, the sequel trilogy are going to be that way about the next thing they see. You know, yeah. Kind of, Star Wars fans can never be pleased. <laughs> Especially, I, I, I think it's going to be even worse now that it's clear that they're still trying to make Star Wars a regular thing now. Yep. Because it was one thing back when... Star Wars was generational, and all you had were a trilogy every ten years or so, but now it's a case of, well, now there's all these shows, and we're making movies at a more regular pace, and not all of them are numbered episodes, and it's like, this is this is too much, and you're not diversifying it enough, quickly enough. Or maybe they are, and I'm just not seeing the good stuff that I should be, but it's, I don't know. Like I said, uh, this one, clearly, they should have stuck with it being a movie. There's enough padding in here that you could have very easily cut out to get it down to two and a half hours if you really needed it. Disney is turning the phrase, use the force, to used and forced. <laughs> you, you did it again. <laughs> nice. 
it's it's just becoming too much. Like we're gonna get Star Wars fatigue again. That's what happened after the sequel trilogy, and of course they were like, oh, we're gonna take a couple years off of Star Wars, and then they released Mando, and now they're just going back up, right up, 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 right back up. They're going back up, 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 and then they're gonna hit a, a an eventual peak, and then they're gonna go down, 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 and start all over again. It's gonna happen for the rest of eternity. That's saddening. Yep. But yeah, like I said, this one was not all in all a bad show. I just feel like it's kind of tested my I it's it's hit that just fine zenith where now it's kind of freed me from feeling like I have to keep up with everything live action Star Wars puts out because now it's just like, okay, yep, no, it's I just don't feel it anymore. You know what's the saddest thing about this? What? We'll never have another John Williams score for Star Wars. I was looking at the thing, and we may not. It's very likely. We'll talk. We'll, yeah, we, yeah. We talked about it earlier. We talked we'll about talk- it. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, totally. This yeah, didn't come totally. First. Wink, wink. Hint, hint. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll discuss it more previously. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I think we pile drived on Obi Wan enough. Yeah. It, my final summation is: uh, it's a four to ten for me. Yeah, I don't know. I'll give it a six. I'll split the middle and go five. Uh, they had some enjoyable aspects. I'll agree to a five. Okay. And I don't mean I don't mean it in a bad five because sometimes a five can mean terrible, but in this case, it just means it means five. It's, it's an actual fine. five and not a and not a D slash F. It's just a five. It's a C minus. <laughs> yeah, somewhere around there. Okay, I'll let's, give it that. Let's talk about Miss Marvel, which I'm I'm actually going to say Cody right off the bat. I'm sort of understanding the series a little bit more. I think I just needed to get a couple of episodes to get through all of the basic Kamala shit. And now that I'm like, they're starting to do stuff, I'm starting to get more invested. You know, it's funny. I'm, it's losing me. (laughs) Wow, really? Yeah. And it's only because this latest twist with the villains what the heck, it's episode 3, there's spoilers all around at this point. I don't know how I feel about the bad guys being functionally Jin, because that is not a thing in the comics. Like, Miss Marvel doesn't fight those kind of enemies, typically. And there's two different ways to look at it, which both are valid. One is, it is cool that they are integrating her culture into her superhero- superheroics, because that's still more representation either way, and it's a better, it's more fleshing out of that culture, which is fair and valid. There's the other approach, which is the one I'm leaning more towards, which is that making her show and tying her superheroics into her culture pigeonholes her. And right. it's not necessarily as big a concern because we know she's going to be in the Marvels, and presumably that's not going to be super gin-heavy, or maybe it is, who knows. So that takes some of the sting off, but it's still a case of, there's two different ways to look at it. I would have rather we got something that's more demonstrably Miss Marvel, but it wouldn't be the first time Marvel Studios has done this, and who it's knows, we might get... Yeah, it won't be the last. And we'll probably, hopefully, get something a little more Miss Marvel aligned later. So uh, there are a little, there are a couple of little like Easter eggs and little things thrown out that are very so interesting. Yeah, like the temple scene uh, at the beginning of the episode. Did you catch like what the what the things on the wall were? Things on the wall. The the glyphs. No, I didn't. That's a temple of the ten rings. Oh. 
Oh, right. You met in the... Right, the temple that they were digging through. Yeah. yeah I saw the Ten Rings bit. Uh, I saw that that arm was blue, so which it's implies a it's a Kree. Yeah. So that begs the question, is that a Kree artifact that goes into that dimension, or did it just so happen that a Kree had it? I, I have no clue. I guarantee you we'll get an explanation of who that Kree is. <laughs> At some we'll probably, point. Yeah, we'll probably get it in the Marvels. There'll in probably the Marvels, be an explanation of what it was doing there. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's, it, it'll probably be explained there. Also, like, I, I went ahead and rewatched. So, you know the end of the scene? Because uh, I, I ended up like looking up some stuff about the ending because of the episode because I was curious after looking, seeing a couple of things. At the end of Shang-Chi, it says that the Ten Rings found another another signature on this planet. Oh, that it sent out a that the ring sent out a beacon to something, and they don't know what. This might be what it sent out to. Oh, so the rings could be connected to Noor. Correct. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking celestials or something, but that. Yeah. So that's definitely a possibility. Maybe what I'm seeing is that they're setting up Kamala Khan to kind of like, or no, yeah, the tag team with with Shang Chi and and or. They're ended up they're gonna end up intertwining those two storylines together since they're kind Kamala of Kamala like, and Shang Chi would make a hell of a team up. It would, and they're both young young um, superheroes. They're they're both kind of learning their way. Yeah, Re- they're both kind of in the same field where they're both in the same point of their career. Where Combo's more like I'm a fanboy about this whole stuff, while Shang Chi is more like Oh well, I just kind of got forced into this. <laughs> He's like, I'd rather not get involved in this, but now that I'm involved in this, I guess I'm involved. Yeah, and then we can get Katie involved, and, you know, whatever the fuck Wong's doing, because Wong is is there. Singing karaoke (laughs) and being the Sorcerer Supreme. I love Wong. He's so good. (laughs) I I guarantee you we'll see some more crossovers with those two, because that 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 was a very interesting thing to to think about. You know, I I think those two might be be, uh, entwined. Feige has rumored that... um, Phase 4 will be coming together a lot more with, you know, uh, upcoming announcements and upcoming shows and, and movies. Maybe yeah. they're going to try to intertwine Kamala into Phase 5 a little bit more heavily with trying to get her inter- integrated into the Avengers or the Young Avengers, which I think they're probably going to end up throwing her in. I don't know. I don't think Young Avengers is going to be a thing, or at least I don't think it's going to be called that because I think the real issue you have with trying to make the Young Avengers in live action is you can really only make one before the title becomes archaic right afterward, because you can only make so many movies at a time, it's going to take a few years between a theoretical first Young Avengers movie and a sequel, and a lot of them are already pushing adult age anyway, or in Kate Bishop's case, she's already in her 20s. So well, then again, they can make they they can just make them the West Coast Avengers. Or, yeah, they could yeah. do West Coast. They could do the Champions. They could do they could just Great Lakes. Some of the I don't see that happening. <laughs> <laughs> Squirrel Girl, goddamn! I hope not. Squirrel Girl is one of the few characters where Marvel could announce that they're adapting them, and I would not immediately be enthused, and it would take a trailer. <laughs> it would take a really good trailer for me to care about Squirrel Girl. I could give two shits about her, but I, going back to the episode, I genuinely liked a lot of the the stuff that were shown in the movie. Uh, once again, I think the thing I'm really liking about Miss Col- Miss Marvel Miss Marvel is the actual look at the culture. Yeah, and the way that they're portraying it is very very much in a way where I can understand. I'm starting to get into it. Like the characters I'm liking, 
I'm, the I'm, wedding was super cool. The wedding was awesome, uh, and the reception, like, learning about all, like, I didn't know anything about, like, you know, how most Muslim weddings were really, really happy, like, went, but, like, it's kind of cool to see it on screen. Plus, I really like that conversation between Amir and Yusuf, where yes, yes, he's yes. worried about not having money, and his dad is reassuring him about it, and that was just a really nice conversation. Yeah, and it's very relatable, and I really like Yusuf a lot, as he's a really cool, like, I, I, he's a good older brother, he's supportive, but he's still very much- Oh, Yusuf's like, the dad. Oh, sorry, not Yusuf, sorry, whatever. Uh, Amir's the brother. Amir, I'm sorry. I really like Amir's, how Amir's a good older brother figure. I also like, I really like Yusuf, too, he's awesome, he's pretty funny, I kind of like the guy. <laughs> Um, but I like how I'm- He tries, really dang him. He tries, yeah. Oh, like, that, that one scene with the cherry pie was great. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell anybody. <laughs> They're just so synthetic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think the only person I really don't like is the guy. Uh, what's his name? Bruno's alright. Bruno's kind of just whiny. <laughs> he's especially alright when it's not focusing on him pining over Kamala. Like, him playing off of her dad, great. Him at the wedding, also great. Mm -hmm. I will say, one thing that I'm not super great with on this episode is they're very ambiguous about the bangle and what it means and what it does, because in theory, it activated something inside Kamala so they don't need the bangle anymore, they just need her, in which case, them attacking her is counterproductive because it's not going to get her to help them, unless... The Bengals bought it to her, and they need her to be unattached from it to use its power again. But I guess we'll see, but it just, right now, feels kind of... We're going to Marrakesh next episode, right? So... Yeah. Yeah, that's probably what we'll end up getting a lot more context to it. I definitely hope so. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm interested to see where it's going to go from here. I'm surprised Comron is a, apparently a good guy. <laughs> There's still room for him to turn bad, especially if Kam if Kamala ends up not wanting to ultimately be with him and he takes that poorly, because that is a big part of what happened in the comics. So it could still happen, but I would not. I now would not be surprised if it turns out he's just a well-meaning dude, even if he keeps mispronouncing Bruno's name on purpose. It, that's pretty funny, though. <laughs> it is pretty good. <laughs> I like that bit. The action was really cool, too. I like the kitchen scene a lot. Yeah! The effects are very wonky for the, you know, the time displacement crap, or, like, whatever the hell her power is. It's very wonky looking, but, like, I don't know. Uh, I think part... I, I don't know. It it, it 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 takes some getting used to, but, like, now that I'm used to the effect, I'm like, okay, it's not the worst thing to look on. It's just very cartoony and kind of out of place. <laughs> I think they're trying to still keep the spirit of her actual comic powers, mm. which were picked specifically because they are not glamorous. They are stretchy and awkward and weird and... Like teenage years. Yeah. That's part of why I was upset at the change being made in the first place, because the powers themselves were a very apt visual metaphor. But it seems like they managed to split the difference and still keep these powers despite being hard light constructs and therefore a power that is... Usually very visually stunning. They've still managed to make it awkward and ungainly and weird looking, so that's nice. I'm glad that's still there. I'm I'm excited for the future. I'm excited for what the reveals are going to be in Marrakesh. Oh, Nakia and the uh, Sheik, Sheikah, 
telling off the damage control people. Oh, that was, yeah, that was, I really like Nakia. I think she's a good character. I do just think she's, she's becoming a little bit more of that stereotype, like, preachy character I don't really like, but that's just, you know, that's her kind of, her whole deal. But, like, I do actually like her friendship with Kamala. I do like, you know, I don't know. I, I like her as a character. I just, she comes off as a little too preachy sometimes. Not that kind of, but it's kind of hard to explain it. I, I'm more, I don't think she's preachy so much as I'm not necessarily a fan of what it seems like they're going for, which is she's going to be upset about the why didn't you tell me about this superpower thing. Yep. That's the part that gets a little tiring, but they haven't gotten to it yet. They might wrap it up a little more cleanly than we're expecting or giving them credit for. So I'm gonna, I'm still cautious, but I'm not gonna immediately go, oh man, here we go. This is gonna, uh, because they might not. Don't knock you it before you try it. Alright, that's enough of that. Okay. <laughs> you, you've had three. <laughs> I got three. Okay. This is... Bad puns are my job. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't appreciate you encroaching on my stick. Hey man, you invited me on this podcast. I did. <laughs> that's my own fault. That's a bet of my own making. <laughs> it is. It's a bed of nails. Oh man, that's uncomfortable to sleep on for sure. Well, all I know is that I'm very curious to see where this is going to go from here when we meet the grandmother. Yeah, that's going to be neat. Also, Red Dagger still has to show up. Oh, who's Red Dagger? He is a Pakistani superhero who is confirmed to be in this show. Mm. I don't. I haven't collected the parts where he shows up of Miss Marvel's run, but I think he's just kind of a badass normal type. Gotcha. So... He could, he might have superpowers. I'm checking this real quick. Oh nope, he's got throwing knives and he's an expert marksman. There we go. So he's Batman, but Pakistani. Yeah, I guess. Or he, it sounds like he could be part of the Death Throws, the juggling themed supervillain group. Except he's a hero. That's a thing. Yeah, the Death Throws. Oh my god. They're they're a whole thing, but I'm not gonna get into that. Wh- whose rogue gallery are they? Uh, I think just kind of general. We've actually... Oh, a member of them has shown up in the MCU, the, technically speaking. The acrobat from uh, from uh, uh, Winter Soldier? Is that the guy? The you guy? wish. Ah. Oh. No, Batroc the Leaper is actually not part of the Death Throws. That one... What's her name? Wendy Conrad from Hawkeye. The lady with the bag where her wife sewed her nickname Bombshell on the inside of it. In I the don't comics, remember this. That's her supervillain name. I do not remember this at all. Ah, she was the one who helped get his arrows out of police lockup. Oh, the, the, uh... One of the LARPers. Okay, there, that's all you needed to say. Okay. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) I'm like, who the hell's Wendy? I don't remember this character. I, the LARPers are my least favorite part of Hawkeye, so I actively blocked them out, okay? Understood. One of them's, he's a firefighter, he just stole evidence from a crime scene. Yeah, oh, he knows, yeah. that was the last thing that this person whose house burned down had left, and he stole it because it was a sick cosplay. What a jerk. Yeah, let's not talk about that. That's just, there's some problems. Ah. So, yeah, I guess, summing up Miss Marvel, I'm still looking forward to it. I'm, I'm hoping that they pull the gin thing around into something that's a little more Miss Marvel-oriented, but it is still cool to see the rep, even if it, I don't know. Whatever your opinions are on it. Well, I guess we can end this here for the those two. Yep. So I guess we're good to wrap this up. Thanks for listening, as always, everybody. Make sure, if you haven't already, to like, comment, hit the bell, follow us on Spotify. Thank Spoopy. you. <laughs> You're not welcome. <laughs>
Well, regardless, follow us, like us, tell us that we're awesome, give us suggestions on how or to Or that improve. we suck. Any engagement is suck. engagement. Any engagement is engagement, that's true. Tell us what you like, tell us what you don't like, and I guess, uh, yeah. Also, I got bad news, Nick. What? We got two options for I'm next not week. watching either this week. I I, I, <laughs> I I object. I object. I saw the listing. I'm uh, not you watching. Saw, you read the summary for Mr. Malcolm's list? No, it looks like it's not the movie for me. <laughs> Neither that nor the Minions movie I am All going right. to watch. <laughs> Greg? <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll think of something. <laughs> oh, I meant, uh, you kind of cut out there. Oh, I said we'll think of something. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, push yeah. to the show of it'll be you guys listen to me blather on about minions. <laughs> yeah, I'm not doing that, my friend. Uh, that is all you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, alright. Mm. Okay. Uh, so, we'll banana. Figure it out and... in the day. Yes. So, banana and. Uh, banana! Kevin and. See you guys next week. Bye. Yeah, bye. Bye.